I'm Tisa, a midwife and a birth center owner in Southern California. Like many of you, I did not get the education needed to run a successful, profitable, and sustainable practice. But I was lucky enough to have an entrepreneurial spirit, a business degree, and the will to teach myself new skills. Here on Midwife to Midwife, we will explore building our businesses, our profession, and our communities. We will discuss subjects that are important to you, like on-call schedules, protocols, equipment, and how to get some of that precious time off. I will share my own personal experiences, as well as interview great business minds. Welcome to Midwife to Midwife. Hello, and welcome back, midwives. This is Tisa, and today on episode two, we are going to talk about ways that I have helped myself decrease anxiety and stress of being on call 24-7. So let's just dive in. Nothing can prepare you for the weight of responsibility of being a midwife. I was told to be a doula first so that I would get an idea of what it would be like to be on call. Yes, it was a good lesson a good way to get the perspective on the on-call life, but nothing compares to the weight and of responsibility once you're on your own, out from underneath your preceptors, and you are the one that is responsible for every decision. I personally don't think you really grasp that as a student because of the reality. The reality is, is that your preceptor is there to catch, right? Like they're there to catch your errors. If you screw up, it, you know, you, you subconsciously know, and you know that there's somebody there to catch you. And once you're on your own, um, the, the feeling of being on your own and the weight of that responsibility really changes you. Um, I've been a licensed midwife now for about seven and a half years. I'm pretty sure I walked into midwifery with some significant thyroid issues in my history that went undiagnosed. Um, midwifery is my second career. When I was about 18 years old, I was already a mother to two and I decided to join the air force. I served just over 10 years. And during those 10 years, I worked my butt off. I developed some pretty strong work habits. I learned to get stuff done. Um, it was also a very physically demanding career. I was an aircraft mechanic. I was also um, a female in a very male-dominated workforce. I always strived to measure up. I was always trying to prove myself that I could do what they could do. And of course, um, those years of overextending myself really took its toll on my body. And into my 30s, I definitely noticed a change and ended up with multiple autoimmune disorders. Unfortunately, I didn't see these issues until I became a midwife. And my new lifestyle, yes, this is a lifestyle, um, really kicked my inflammation into high gear. Through stress of getting through midwifery school, the sleepless nights, the anxiety of starting a new business, the weight of the responsibility. My afflictions now started to really show up in my day-to-day life. I was having a lot of brain fog, joint pain, inflammation flare-ups, gut gut disorders, and uh, a whole slew of other symptoms. Um, Before midwifery school, I was extremely interested in nutrition and biohacking. So all these symptoms began to really challenge me. And I ran some blood work 
and was able to identify that I had Hashimoto's, a thyroid autoimmune disorder. I'd heard a lot about it in my readings. And so I had kind of gone back to my nutrition roots and started to do some continuing education, enrich myself with resources and how to support myself and my body while I was living this crazy lifestyle. Last year, um, well, maybe even two years ago, I met a midwife who was um, definitely me 20 years later. She spoke about how she was burnt out and her body was paying the price. I realized fairly quickly that I'm not only, I'm not the only one, and there are probably a good portion of midwives who are on the path of some sort of adrenal fatigue, autoimmune nightmares, or they're already knee deep in one, just like I was when I first started um, midwifery school or on my midwifery path. So what I wanted to share with you today is the many changes I've made, the lifestyle, the boundaries I set, the routines I've put in place, the hacks that I've tried, all the things I do to help manage my stress and anxiety around this lifestyle to help me thrive. Because we need to thrive, right? Like if we're not thriving, then what are we doing? Today's discussion is about us and how we need to do for ourselves in order to be good shepherds for others. Now, before I get started with my list, I want to be transparent. These are areas I strive to do well. I'm not always great and sometimes not even good at them, but I try. And when I'm trying, I'm thriving. Perfection is not the key to moving forward. These are the things I've incorporated into my life to help me get the rest that I can to help reduce my anxiety around not being ready for a birth. I have found that when I do things to reduce my inflammation, anxiety, things seem to go a lot better. I found that a lot of my anxiety in the job came up at night when I was laying in bed and started thinking about all the possible scenarios of how I would be called and what it would look like. Can you relate? Yeah. Um, I kept thinking about what do I need to not forget? What will I need to remember to bring with me? It, you know, just kept me tossing and turning. If um, I, I needed to know, I had like, I have a little bit of a, I may be a little bit of a unique scenario, but I really, I don't think it's that unique. I live pretty far from my birth center. So there was always this anxiety around um, just getting there on time and making sure that I had everything. I also you know, was afraid that I would leave something at home and have to come back for it. You know, just little things like that. But, um, and I also serve a really large radius. I serve about a hundred mile radius from my home. And that also creates all kinds of circumstances. There's mountain, there's desert, there's snow. It's, you know, just all these little things just created a lot of anxiety around getting to a birth on time and making sure that I had everything. Um, I was always strategizing about my nightly escape out into the dark and trying to figure out how to get out of the house so I wouldn't miss a birth. So these types of things really, you know, I found myself really thinking a lot about it and just tossing and turning. So I knew to put the, in order to put these anxieties to rest, I had to start getting organized and be, be pretty much grab and go ready, um, for a birth, uh, 
if you remember, I was in the Air Force. So a five minute shower was not a stranger to me. Being quick and efficient, this was all something I knew I could do. So what I did before I went to bed is I set myself up for success. And this helped me also fall asleep a lot faster because I wasn't thinking, I wasn't trying to review everything in my head. So I have a nightly routine of setting out the clothes that I'll need to wear and everything right down to my shoes, my socks, my underwear, everything. Um, That way there's no thinking required. Once I, you know, answer the phone, I'm pretty much on the phone and getting dressed at the same time. If I'm pretty sure, you know, if I'm, you can tell sometimes that that's the phone call that you've been waiting for. Um, I make sure that all my things are ready at the door at in the same spot every single night. So I know these, these, these things sound really, um, I don't know, basic, but it really makes a difference when you get up at, you know, in a cold sleep and you're trying to get out the door and you actually don't have to put a whole lot of thought into what you're doing, that it just becomes a routine. So doing things very repetitiously, like putting the clothes out, you know exactly where they're going to be. Don't put them in different spots. Put your bags by the door that you're going to have to take with you. If you can keep them in your car, that's even better. I personally, we have such big, huge um, temperature changes where I live, where it's very, very cold in the winter and very, very hot in the summer. I, I have one bag that I don't um, put in my car because um, it would ruin, right? It would ruin my medications and I don't want my electronics like my Doppler and my ultrasound and stuff like that sitting in the car in the heat or the cold because that will, maybe one day we'll talk about that too, um, how that destroys your equipment. So. Um, like the keys for my car, my purse, my birth bag, everything's in the same spot. I also get really um, organized with my food um, and make sure that it's ready to go too. And I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about that here shortly. But I have a routine of, you know, starting my car to warm it up or to cool it down. And, you know, if I had to defrost my windows in the winter, I would start that process while I'm getting dressed. And then I can grab my things and be out the door in less than 10 minutes. But by doing this routine, um, I noticed that it really alleviated a lot of the anxiety of like, did I get everything? Did I forget something? Um, there were a handful of times where I couldn't find my keys in the middle of the night because they weren't in the spot that I put them. So this really alleviated a lot of those kinds of stresses. And even just going to sleep, I know that I put everything where it belongs So I'm not waking up with those thoughts in my head. Oh, did I forget to do that? Do I have, is my birth bag packed? Oh, did I put that record? You know, just all those little things that we think about in the middle of the night. So what I've noticed over time is that a lot of my stress stress and anxiety was caused by not being organized, not having boundaries, and not having routines for self-care. So the first one was about being organized. I organized my things, my you know, my, my personal care items that get me out the door faster. Um, I like to set boundaries as well. And this entails really just having good boundaries in the line of communication and how this reduces a lot of my stress is when my clients understand that there is there are boundaries around them communicating with me, it helps reduce the amount of, um, time that I'm spending answering text messages, 
and phone calls that can be addressed during business hours. So earlier in my midwifery career, I was kind of available, like a little too available for people. And I think that that's pretty usual for a new midwife. You're trying to really establish yourself in the community and and you want to like kind of overserve your clients and you're available 24 seven, even 11 o'clock at night for a, you know, I don't know, maybe you're allowing your clients to text you 24 seven with questions that really aren't that urgent. And over the years, I just, I realized that those kinds of messages really kind of made me anxious because I was, the time that I should be spending in, you know, helping myself recover from birth or helping myself get adequate rest, I was actually exerting a lot of energy to my clients, like answering questions and text messages at pretty much what I feel is inappropriate times, you know, um, during my family time in in the evenings when I should be doing things for myself. So I, in the probably maybe about four years ago, I put some really strict boundaries around that. I realized like it's pretty unreasonable for us to make ourselves that available to people. If, you know, if you're the kind of midwife who is only taking two or three clients a month and you, and you really like having that, that type of availability to people more to you, but that's not what was helpful for me and kind of helping me be more grounded in my practice. So I created a lot of boundaries around how people could contact me and when they could contact me for what they could contact me for. And this really helped alleviate, um, just like I said, that a a little bit of the anxiety and stress around being on call 24 seven, because after a while I started to like really resent the text messages that were coming in like during dinner and stuff like that. Um, I set these boundaries. I'll, I'll just kind of skim through it because I believe like this could be a whole nother podcast one day, really just getting in depth about boundaries. But some of the things that really helped me is by having a separate phone line just for on-call purposes. So that way that is the only phone that I absolutely have to answer. I don't really like having a phone service for these things because I just feel like the incidence for failure kind of is a lot more higher. I don't like having my clients put on silent and then like the whole breakthrough thing where they could break through an emergency on your cell phone. I don't, I don't even, it just create that to me creates a little bit more anxiety thinking about, well, is it, is it going to work? Can they reach me? Uh, What if they can't reach me? Like, I don't want, I don't want those um, thoughts going on in the back of my head. So I have a separate phone that is just for on-call emergent um, messages and phones. So that way I can step away from the regular phone and leave it at work. Literally I do. We, I don't even bring it home anymore. I do have office staff that monitor that phone, but if you're not in that position where you have somebody else to monitor that phone, then you can turn it on silent and you can put it in your bag and go back to it the next day. And then that way, the only messages that you're going to be getting in the middle of the night hopefully are, you know, the standards that you've, you've, you've set those standards in your practice, like these X, Y, and Z are the reasons why you would call me on this phone number, of course, in labor, but other general medical concerns that are urgent that can't wait till morning either. 
So that really made a big difference for me by make by setting that boundary. Um, I definitely have a a sheet like in in an orientation. We talk about ways to communicate with your midwife, and we give them so much um, opportunity to use their um, online portal to send us messages. And I'll check that multiple times a day so that I am still staying very. Um, available for my clients and making sure that I'm answering messages in a timely matter. Of course, that really helps me too, because if I'm at a birth or if I need to get some rest, um, it can go a day or two without me having to respond to that. But then I still have it somewhere where I can go in and just answer client questions instead of me having to go through my whole email. I mean, come on, if, if your email isn't like 40 emails a day, then I need to take a lesson from you because I have so much junk in my, you know, just things it's business. So I don't want to have to go into my email to look for client messages. So I don't really prefer that they message me through email either. It really helps me to log into the EHR and have client messages in one space. And I can address those immediately without having to sift through all the other emails in my email account. Um, Another way that I, um, have created those boundaries is again, I'm just very, I communicate with my clients very often, making sure that all their questions are answered during their appointments. I also, something I think that's very helpful is, um, is having them differentiate the need for administrative calls and emails and text messages and between medical ones. So we may get a very strict policy that they can't ask medical questions over text messages either. And that really helps alleviate a lot of, um, because for me, if I'm in the middle of something and then I get a text message about somebody, I'm, I, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z, then I feel like I have to stop whatever I'm doing right then and there and take care of that situation. So for me, it's been way more helpful for people to go through the portal and communicate their medical questions that way, as long as they're not incredibly urgent, like they're bleeding, their baby's not moving, you know, their water broke, all those reasons that we tell um, people to call us immediately. But as long as they're not immediate concerns, then they can message me in the portal and I have time to sit there and look at it. and, And I've actually taken the opportunity to sit down and answer that question rather than it kind of coming in and um, invading whatever I'm doing at that moment. And that's what text messages do. So something to think about if that's, you know, if that resonates with you, I highly suggest that you set up a way that clients can send their medical questions to you. And you have told them that you will get to them within 24 to 48 hours, whatever you, you feel is a, um, an appropriate time frame. Um, so Boundaries are good. Um, Another thing that I love is scheduling, having routines for my self-care. And this, again, sounds so straightforward, but if you don't do it, then you never get the chance to take time for yourself if you're not scheduling. I make a schedule for myself to exercise um, certain days of the week. And of course, I, you know, just from being a business student over the years, I, I have taken a lot of courses on how to 
get things done, how to be organized, how to move myself forward. And it, it's a it's a pretty basic principle in um, self-development too, is making a schedule for yourself. So I'm not, I'm going to guess that a lot of midwives don't have a schedule for themselves. They don't, um, you know, you have your schedule for your clients, like you know where you need to be on what day for who, but are you actually scheduling like what you're going to do the three hours before your day starts at, at clinic or when you start making your prenatal visits? Um, I do. I have a very pretty strict schedule on what I do between six and seven o'clock and seven and eight o'clock and eight and nine o'clock. I try really hard to make that schedule the beginning of the week. So that way I know what's going to happen throughout the week. Of course, this is so tentative. It's it's ridiculous. I always think to myself, well, if I have a birth that day, <laughs> when will I be able to do that again? So I do kind of try to schedule into some, it depending, like thinking to myself, well, how busy do I really think I'm going to be this week? I have a, how many moms do? And what is the likelihood that I'm going to get called to a birth? Of course, we don't, we don't know. And I don't need to probably keep saying that, but I do try to do my best to keep my schedule. So that way I have done the things for myself that need to be done. So I schedule my exercise and I schedule my family first. And then I like to schedule. um, I like to schedule time to prepare myself for the week as well, which means if I need to meal prep, then I will. I love doing meal prepping to help because again, if I am really trying to help myself in, in an autoimmune world in a endocrine, you know, disruptive world, uh, routines, like having good food, like these are the things we're trying to teach our clients as well is to eat well throughout the week. The only way that I could really eat well throughout the week is kind of preparing ahead of time. So I'm really big into meal prepping for myself. If that means making you know, four or five meals ahead of time, then that's what I'm going to do. And I need to really schedule that because if I don't, then it won't get done. Of course. Um, I love making sure that my bags are all ready to go, which we've talked about. And, um, I'm a big, I, I love having something that I love to do and making sure that that's on the schedule. So for me, it's mountain biking. It also happens to be my exercise. It's most of my exercise, but I try to schedule in other things too. But having something that I'm absolutely passionate about beyond being a midwife, um, beyond being a mom, of course, and just something that has nothing to do with vaginas, honestly. I want, and mountain biking was my thing. It's something that has nothing to do with being a midwife. Um, it's something that is, in my opinion, it's it's so extreme that I don't even think about being a midwife when I'm out on my mountain bike, which is exactly what I need. I need something that has nothing to do with, with my job, my work, um, and that I just absolutely love doing. So my thing is mountain biking. You should find something that you absolutely love and schedule it in, whether that's once a week, once a month, um, a couple times a week, whatever that is. But I also, on top of that, schedule in some regular exercise like walking and yoga classes as well. And if I don't make it because of birth, that's fine. At least I have something. At the end of the week, I can look back and say, well, 
Of course, I didn't make it the three times a week that I wanted to this week, but at least I made it that one time. Because if it wasn't on the schedule, I wouldn't have made it at all. Uh, some other things that I am mindful of are just having um, responsibilities kind of laid out at home as well. Like who's responsible, you know, in, as a, as a mom, like earlier in my career, I wasn't working as much and a lot of the response, like the same responsibilities that I've always had doing the shopping, the cooking, um, getting the kids back and forth to school. Those definitely were on my plate along with working and making sure that I had backup plans for getting the kids to school or um, what was going to happen if I wasn't home for a birth and who, what was going to be made for dinner, all those things. So of course, this is like normal midwife stuff and having a plan in place for all of those that goes without saying. But if you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants through your week and just not really sure what's going to happen on Thursday afternoon if you got called to a birth and who's going to pick up the kids and who's going to take your littlest to dance class, that probably creates a lot of anxiety. It it probably sits in the back of your mind throughout the week thinking, man, I really don't know what I'm going to do. So having really just take the time, just take the time, schedule a time to sit down and figure all this stuff out. So that way it's not sitting in the back of your mind. I promise that once you start having a plan for these things, the, the, the weight is really going to be lifted from you. And lastly, the last thing that I have really incorporated in my life are some biohacks. And what I mean by that are the things that I do for myself on a health level to level up my game, to help me um, restore, be restorative when I can, um, what helps me recover from really, you know, long extended nights of no sleeping, long births, or just really exhausting days in the office. One of them is my sleep habits. My sleep habits are extremely important. And because of my extensive knowledge and background in nutrition and um, in really like nutritive health type stuff, I have learned a lot of great sleep habit routines that I've incorporated into my own lifestyle, like reducing all of my exposure to blue lights before I go to bed and making sure that I get the best spectrum of lighting in the morning and in the evening to help reset my circadian rhythms. And this is especially helpful when you have been up working a lot at night, getting those spectrums of light is helpful. When I have to sleep in the middle of the day, I use a blackout sleep mask. And that is probably one of, um, it, it was a game changer for me getting optimal sleep, better sleep during the daytime. So I can definitely link that in um, the show notes, like what sleep mask I bought. It's the blue blocks one. And I'm not entirely sure that that's what they call them anymore. They, I think the company changed their branding and might've changed their name, but it is a blackout sleep mask. And it makes sure that there is no light that gets in underneath my sleep mask really changes um, because I found before, you know, I tried to sleep for a few hours and I was constantly waking up and it just wasn't quality sleep. At least this way I get a lot 
more quality sleep with the sleep mask. Um, I also make sure that I get to bed at the same time every night. Seriously evaluate this for yourselves, you guys. If you are staying up till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, finishing your charts and stuff like that, think of that is absolutely horrible for your circadian rhythm um, and your hormone balances as well. So going to bed at the same time every night, excluding that you're working, of course, um, will really help you keep your hormones on track. And if if you're not really familiar with that, please get familiar with it because it is, it is something that plagues a lot of people right now. And I feel like I'm really counseling people in my practice, talking to pregnant people about it constantly because they're really struggling with insomnia and I'm asking them about their sleep habits and I'm it they're they're awful they're absolutely awful they're staying up till two o'clock in the morning watching Hulu on their phone so of course they're not going to have good good sleep if that's you know what they're doing in the evenings so I have a really strict um sleep routine and I'm I'm pretty much in bed every night between 8 30 and 9 unless I have to work And I'm up every morning at the same time as well, unless I feel like I need to sleep longer. Um, So those are my sleep habit biohacks. Some of the other things that I do for myself that kind of revolves around biohacking is um, all of my supplements. I find like I I have a way of um, making sure that I get all my supplements in every week. And that is I carry a pill organizer with me in my purse. So that way it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm at work, if I have to, if I'm not home for a couple of days because I had a long birth after I went to clinic, like, you know, you won't, you know, all the scenarios, but basically I always have my, my vitamins and my supplements on me so that I don't miss my routine of having having those nutrients with me. I also make sure that I have highly nutritious snacks in my bag with me that are non-perishable, that they're pretty safe in my car and they won't be destroyed. And not just like meal bars, but, you know, nuts and beef jerky. And for me, I'm, you know, very like pro autoimmune, low, uh, inflammation food. So I'm eating meat and high, high quality fats and stuff like that when I am snacking in between meals, because that's what helps me, um, heal and stay on top of things. So I make sure that I have things close by things that I can make. Um, my birth center is well stocked with food that I can, so I'm not ordering out or going to a fast food restaurant after a birth. So that's very helpful for my nutrition. <clears throat> I always make sure too, that I have high quality water with me. I stock my birth center with, um, with good water. We also have a Berkey water filter inside the birth center. That was something that was really important to me to have high quality water. And then when I'm out and about, I pre-pack all of my water and glass water bottles and just, you know, pack them, pack them wherever I'm going. And I make sure that I have everything instead of going from home to home during prenatal visit days and then stopping at gas stations and getting water bottles or crappy food, that kind of stuff. I am very methodical about my food and my water and my nutrition 
my supplements to make sure that I am doing what I can when I can to keep my body in that, you know, that, that place of being happy as much as possible. And it does make a huge difference. I noticed the difference when I am really bad at doing my planning and I feel like, well, well, too bad. I didn't get to meal prep today. And I end up stopping somewhere to get food and it, it might be decent food, but I can tell the difference when I haven't meal prepped and I haven't taken my supplements on time and I haven't done the things to be prepared for the week. Okay. So I hope you found those helpful listening to what I do to help myself just have less stress and anxiety around the Um, the burdens of being on call 24-7. To recap, I make sure that I'm super organized with all of my my gear and just getting out of the house when I do need to go to a birth. That really helps me stay on top of my anxiety of of getting those late night phone calls. I also set really good boundaries on communication between myself and my clients, when they can contact me, what kind of... um, contact mediums that we're using and when they should expect a response from me so that I'm not feeling like that urgency to respond to um, text messages that really don't warrant my energy when I'm trying to have um, time for myself and my family. And then just having routines around my health. That's probably um, number one on the list. I think that probably makes the biggest difference in my anxiety and my stress and how I'm feeling. Of course, like I said, I, you know, probably 75% um, compliant with my own rules and and expectations. And there's a lot of times where that stuff just goes out the window. You know, you just, just, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking for um, better than yesterday. Thanks for listening to me today. I would really love to hear what kind of um, routines or biohacks and tricks that you've implemented to make your life a little bit less stressful, a little bit less anxious around this crazy stuff that we do and look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes today's chat. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Share with your midwife colleagues who you think would enjoy this show as well. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Midwife to Midwife. Links are in the show notes. All right, friends, take care. Bye-bye.